Okay. Here I am. Bear with me now. Bear with me. It is... Well, actually, I'm recording this on Mother's Day, Sunday, May 12th. But you may hear it from Monday, May 13th onward. But it is Sunday, May 12th, Mother's Day. Do I dare wish everybody a happy Mother's Day? I don't know. There's probably some occultic, you know, background behind it. I don't know. You know, who knows? Can't trust anything anymore. But, hey, I'm ignorant of anything overtly (laughs) occultic. So I wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. Oh, my goodness. Got to be so careful in this world. It's nuts, man. We just had uh, May 1st, Beltrain, you know, May Day. Holy cow. You know, if you probably already know this, but that is a high holy witch day. There's a lot of stuff going on on that day. No good. No bueno. No bueno. Find yourself uh, involved in rituals in May May Day. Actually, April 30th is the time for a ritual and stuff for Beltrain. You'll find yourself inadvertently eating uh, foods and things like that, sacrifice to idols. If you're not careful, it's it's just you don't know, but it's just out there. It's just all around us. It's everywhere. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, you know, uh, at one point, Miss Kapow and I, I mean, we did so much house cleaning, got rid of everything that, that the Lord would reveal to us. The Holy Spirit would quicken us stuff that was in our home that we had to get rid of. I mean, we just had tons and tons of, throughout the years, just, um, you know, points of contact, occult points of contact, everything from, you know, death books to, uh, you know, CD covers, you know, earth, wind, and fire type of thing, you know, with a, with occultic symbols. And I even I even had to get rid of CD covers from Christian teachers that used, they were teaching on occult stuff, but used the occult symbols on their DVD covers. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, 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 we were just, uh, I mean, I want to say crazy, insane, but it was from the Lord, I mean, to cleanse everything. And when we finally moved here to Nevada, we really, we scaled down. We moved into a house half the size. You know, I was living on a five-acre ranch, you know, with a, you know, just under 3,000-square-foot home. I mean, you know, an attached mother-in-law house and, you know, swimming pool up front like Beverly Hills. And um, I live in a, a very small cottage now uh, with just a little piece of dirt and, you know, we did that on purpose. We did that on purpose. Uh, we didn't lose, believe me, we didn't lose financially on the deal. But we, we scaled down on purpose and we got rid of a lot of things and simplified our lives because that's how the Lord was leading us to do it. He still does. And, um, hey, it's better to be out of debt <laughs> than to be in debt and have a, a big mansion and a Lamborghini uh, and be a slave to the world system. I just took a sip of coffee. I know that's rude, but hey. And I got a I got a, a mouth mic on, you know, a headpiece, so I hit it when I sipped a coffee. So I'm a little stupid like that, but I apologize. Anyway, so uh, you, we got rid of so much stuff the Lord led us to. So we come here and we like downsized and we just, we were able just to throw away. I think that was one of the things, you know, the Lord wanted us to do is when we downsized, we had to go through everything and everything that was not of God, we had to get rid of. So we're very careful. We we are both very careful. But even to this day, you just have to be so careful. Not that we go out and and go, oh, look at this African mask. I think I'll bring this home and hang it on my wall. We don't do that. It's people give you stuff. (laughs) People, you know, they they make you things. Oh yeah, they do handcrafts or they make it or they, they find, oh, this reminded me of you. And they buy it, and then we look at it and go, we can't have that in the house, you know. Um, and I can give you example after example of that. But, in fact, I won a, a beautiful painting not too long ago from a, a local artist. And it was, a, it was a real pretty painting, and I won it in a raffle. I was at a raffle, and I, I bought some raffle tickets, and I won the painting. 
And a lot of people were like, oh, I wish that painting would look beautiful in my home. So, you know, and I like art. And, uh, but <laughs> Ms. Capel says, you know, there's something about it that creeps me out. I says, I know, you know, it does too. And it was, it was a water feature, but the artist had put like little faces on these, these octopus, you know, these octopi, you know, this underwater scene. And she'd put faces on them and it reminded us of the spirit of octagon. And there was just something about it. We're just, there was something wrong with it. We didn't know. We don't know the artist. We don't know what the artist was into or not, but as much as I hated to, I had to remove it from the house. But that's what you have to do when you're, you know, when you're serious about not having any points of contact for the demons to make point, points of contact and give you illness and distress and things like that. You really have to be serious about these things. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's all kinds of good references about house cleaning and stuff like that. Just uh, email me, you know, fifthhookmedia.com. Um, you know, Paul at com. Just email me. I can give you all kinds of references on house cleaning and stuff. It's it's a real thing. It's it's really true. And you got to be careful what you wear, you know, uh, on your body and things like that. And you're not automatically protected just because you're ignorant of it. A lot of things are infused with spirits, especially nowadays. So, uh you know, that's, it got on this rant here, I guess, you know, because I'm talking about Mother's Day. You just never know. But by the time we moved here, I used to joke and I would tell, because before we, before our house was built, we lived in our motorhome. You know, we had a 300 foot space in the motorhome, which is a big motorhome, by the way. But, you know, that, that was it. I mean, we came from a five acre ranch, 3000 square foot home, swimming pool up front, you know, just, um, very nice uh, outbuildings and to, you know, living in a motorhome for, um, you know, four or five months before a house was being built, while it was being built. That really teaches you discipline and it teaches you what you have and what you don't have. It really does. But I used to joke and say, you know, we could get rid of everything in the house, just get rid of everything, every possession and just live in a cardboard box, Right. So we wouldn't, you know, get attacked. And then we'll look up you know, the box and it'll say Hecho in Mexico or something. And then we'll go, oh, no, you know, there's some occult stuff going on in Mexico. They should joke about that because the, the, the joke is that you can't get away from anything. You know, there's always, you know, something there. But the thing is, you have to be aware of it. And it's not that you just go crazy and start throwing stuff away in your house because you think it's going to make you righteous or holy or prevent things. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to show, point that out to you that that's no bueno, all right? Otherwise, you're going to go crazy, and you'll just be a slave master doing weird stuff. So it's all led by the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit isn't leading you, don't go crazy and start throwing your clothes away, um, you know, because it has purple shoestrings or something, and you, you think it's, because that's just, that's just as demonic, you know, if you get tied into stuff like that. But anyway, we're very careful. We're very careful about these holiday holidays now, you know, because you just never know. You know, you're eating food sacrificed to idols and stuff inadvertently. And yeah, we're covered by the blood of Christ. We didn't do it on purpose, but things still have repercussions sometimes. All right, especially if the Holy Spirit draws it out to you. All right, so that's not what I want to talk about today. I'm going to talk about Ezra. <laughs> How many of you remember the story contained in the book of Acts chapter 19 where there were seven sons of Sceva and they were trying to cast out a demon because they saw the apostle Paul doing great miracles through God. So they tried to do the same thing. So they go up to this guy who's demon possessed and they say, we adjure you by this Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Yeah. And guess what the evil spirit did? The evil spirit answered them and said to them, hey, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And guess what? The man that had the demons jumped on him, beat the heck out of him, subdued him, overpowered him, and they literally fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. Guess why? Guess why? 
because they did not go to Amazon.com and buy Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare. The book is not about you being married or single. The book is about dealing with demonic forces, and you need to know how to do that today more than you ever have for your own life and for those around you. The book is a training manual, and there's training in there that will teach you how not to be the sons of Sceva and get beat up by demons. It will give you the tools for you to be recognized by them because they'll know that you're exercising the authority that is given to you through Christ. You need to get this book. Let's see here. Let's talk about Ezra. We left off. We finished chapter five two weeks ago. We're talking about the angels talking to Ezra saying, hey, you know, if you fast some more, if you do this or do that, I'm going to show you even other things. We talked about how the world, the earth, not the world, the earth is getting old and it's like a womb, an old womb and it fails. And so creation fails and the creation is aging and already is passing the strength of youth and things like that. All right. So we left chapter five with Ezra saying, oh Lord, I beseech thee if I found favor in thy sight, show thy servant through whom thou visit thy creation. Well, your guess is as good as mine, (laughs) exactly what that means. So I'm going to try to break some of this stuff down. I'm not going to finish chapter six because it's a big chapter and there's a lot to it. We'll do just like five. I'll go as far as I can and, and at a natural break, we'll break. All right, so there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't, uh, comprehend. I will admit to you, I don't understand a lot of stuff. Uh, what what it really what it means, but we're going to go ahead and go through it anyway. Maybe you'll have some ideas or something. And um, but I found if if I if I studied enough, if I read it enough, and let the the Lord, you know, minister to me on it. Uh, oftentimes, I'll get a scripture about something I don't understand. But at this point. I'm going to go as far as I can, all right? So start with verse 1, chapter 6. And the angel's talking to Ezra at this point and says, um, and if you're new listening, we're, we're talking about 4th Ezra, 4th Ezra from the Pseudepigrapha, all right? And uh, it would behoove you to listen to the, I think, three or four previous shows before you listen to this one because we're all talking about end time stuff. So the angel's talking about Ezra, and it says, at the beginning of the circle of the earth. I know, already you're going, "Uh uh-oh, there it is, circle. What does that mean? Does that mean round globish? Excuse me, I had to take another uh, swig of coffee. I have to have my coffee. At the beginning of the circle of the earth, before the portals of the world were in place, and before the assembled winds blew, and before the rumblings of thunder sounded, and before the flashes of lightning shone, and before the foundations of paradise were laid, and before the beautiful flowers were seen, and before the powers of movement were established, and before the innumerable hosts of angels were gathered together, And before the heights of the air were lifted up and before the measures of the firmaments were named and before the footstool of Zion was established and before the present years were reckoned and before the imaginations of those who now sinned, sin were estranged And before those who stored up treasures of faith were sealed. Then I planned these things and they were made through me and not through another. Just as the end shall come through me and not through another. That takes us right to verse seven. There's a lot there. One thing I want you to know that the angel... Uriel has been sent to talk to Ezra about these things, but when he talks, he is an angel which is 
a messenger of God. That's exactly what it means. So when he talks, pardon me, when he talks, he talks in the first person as Elohim. That's why he says nothing was made that was not made through me. They were all made through me and not through another. The angel Uriel didn't make everything. The creator God did. Uriel is the messenger of God. So he often, when we're reading this text, he often is speaking like if God was speaking to Ezra. You can see the same thing with Moses, you know, on Mount Sinai, angels ministering. They speak in behalf of God, okay? So I want to clarify that. So there was a lot of stuff I just read there up to verse 7. There's a lot of stuff (laughs) that uh, there's a lot of befores there. And there's a lot of cosmology, I should say, Um, you know, before God tells Ezra that before all the stuff that everything was made through him, right? He had planned, he had planned all these things, all the end time stuff that we talk about and that we have talked about regarding Ezra and Bible prophecy and things. What we have to keep in mind, God had already knew all this stuff. He's, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's the creator God. He created everything. These things were all planned out. And the end, he clearly says, shall come through him and not through another. I used to often think about the end of the world and how that might happen and, and you know, think nuclear war. Uh, because there's, there's some... Uh, teachers out there that would say, you know, we're going to kill ourselves or destroy ourselves through nuclear war, you know, whatever, environmentalism. But clearly, it's God who created and God's going to destroy. He's not going to give his glory to any man. He's not going to give his glory to, uh, you know, you know, an atomic bomb drop. Okay. Even though he does use those things for punishment and judgment and stuff, he uses wars and the hands of armies and stuff. The end will be brought by God. Okay, so you know we 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 need to be looking up for these these end things rather than horizontal, right? Not looking at man, but at God. So let's start and break down verse one, and uh, we'll, we'll go. We'll break this down to where I stopped, and it says that he said to me at the beginning of the circle of the earth, before the portals of the world were in place. Stop there. So there's two things here at the beginning of the circle of the earth before the portals of the world were in place. So these portals, these portals are the openings of wind, hail, snow. All these things that we talked about before in the previous chapter that God controls. He controls the winds. And we talked about this last week or the week before where Jesus had commanded the winds to be steel. And what a big, big, huge, huge miracle and sign that was to those who had ears to hear and eyes to see in that time. Because the ancient Jews knew that nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing not man, not Satan, not angel could control the portals of wind except for Elohim himself, the creator God. So when Jesus wakes up from the boat, out of sleep on the boat, and he says, peace, be still, and he commands the winds and the waves to be silent, he was showing himself to be God in the flesh. It was it's a huge huge thing. So these are these portals at the beginning of the circle of the earth before the portals were in place. The portals of wind, snow, hell, frost, 
Enoch talks about all these things too. But let's go and concentrate on this word at the beginning of the circle of the earth. And let's see what ancient Jewish cosmology thinking might think about this. So where can we find uh, this word? And unfortunately, I'm, I'm reading 4th Ezra and you know, I don't have a strong concordance with it. I don't have a Hebrew lexicon. I have to just read the English version of it and make the ties the best I can. So at the beginning of the circle of the earth, and so where is that found in our Bible? And that's found in Isaiah 40, 22 and 23. And this is what it says. It says, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Wow. Ezra says, at the beginning of the circle of the earth, before the portals of the world were placed and before all this stuff happened, at the beginning of the circle of the earth, before all this other stuff happened. So he's going very, he's going, God is going back to when he created all this stuff at the beginning of the circle of the earth. Isaiah says, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. He sits on the circle of the earth. This is going to make a lot of sense here in a bit. And it says, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. Where have we heard that before? When Israel was told to go into Canaan and and conquer the land, they came back with a bad report because they saw giants. And they said, you know, they're very tall, they're very big, and we are like grasshoppers to them. So it indicates something that's very high looking down, right? So Isaiah, it is God, Elohim, our creator God, that sits upon the circle of the earth, and he looks down, and we are as grasshoppers. And it's God, it continues, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain. Now, this ain't just poetic, figurative language. This is the truth of God's word. God stretches out the heavens as a curtain. Is space some endless billions and billions of light years away kind of nonsense that we've been taught by NASA and false occultism parading as science, magic and witchcraft that's labeled as science, deceiving lies. Well, here it says that he stretches out the heavens as a curtain. There's a beginning and the end of a curtain. And he says, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So it's a covering, it's a, it's a dome, right? Because a tent is spread out and it's dwelled in, you live in it. And it says that it's God that brings the princes to nothing and he makes the judges of the earth as vanity. So who are they? Who's he talking about? He's talking about those fallen ones. Uh, in modern times, the conspiracy theorists will call them Illuminati. Non-conspiracy theorists might call them globalists. Some call them Kabbalists, Jesuits. You know, whoever whoever is the elite, who's ever controlling the shots, the shadow government, these are... The, the, the angels, these are the spiritual beings that were put in place to guide and judge humanity, but they have fallen and they have failed in that attempt. Books of Enoch and Jubilees go into great detail about this stuff. And in Isaiah, in our own very Bible, It is God that brings these princes to nothing and he's going to make the judges of the earth as vanity, in other words, as emptiness. So someday we're not going to be reading about Putin and Trump and, you know, um, all these guys, Netanyahu, 
Kim Ong They'd be brought to nothing and made as vanity because it's God who sits on the circle of the earth and looks down and everybody's like a grasshopper. So if, if the circle was a round globe ball, uh, it would be very odd for God to be sitting on the ball of the earth, on the globe of the earth, because he couldn't really quite look down on the inhabitants. They could be as grasshoppers because on the other side of the, the, the ball, there's other people that he can't actually see because the sphere is covering that. You see how does it make sense? And if he's sitting on a globe, a, a ball, spinning in space, how does he stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spread them out like a tent to dwell in if everything's just a big ball swirling around thousands of miles an hour around a stationary sun? It's not the cosmology of the Bible, and I and I do hope you understand that now. Whether you believe it or not is up to you. If you want to believe NASA or if you want to believe the science you've been taught, that's your prerogative, but you, you have to believe this. The ancient Jews did not see it that way. The ancient Jews had a totally different cosmology than our modern world has. Take it. As you will, you can say, well, they're stupid and we're smart. I prefer to say they knew it's God's word. We're the stupid ones because we've been deceived. That's me. But this is what the Bible says regarding it. So let's go and look at Strong's Hebrew, the Hebrew word for circle. And it means exactly this. It means circle or a circuit, a compass. Everybody knows what a compass is? It's circular. If you had a architectural compass, you you have a point in the middle and a, a pencil on one end and you circle it and you draw this circuit, this circuit. It's not a round ball. There's no mass to it. It's a circle. In, in the strong concordance in the Bible, the King James uses the word circle one time, and it uses circuit one time and compass one time, all three times. And it says it's circle, circuit, or compass, or vault of the heavens. You know what that is? That's the firmament. It's the vault of the heavens. It's like a snow globe. He spreadeth out the heavens like a curtain like a tent that he dwells in. He looks down upon the earth. The earth is stationary. God's in control of it. He's looking down. He's planning this stuff from the very beginning. The sun, the moon, and the stars of what circle around us. God's in control. The other cosmology, the sun is the center of our universe and we're spinning around it and there's no control because there's endless space. It does affect how you view Elohim. Wikipedia, you have to believe it because it's Wikipedia, right? Here's what it says about a circle. It says a circle is a simple closed shape. It doesn't say it's a ball or a globe. It just says a circle is a simple closed shape. It is the set of all points in a plane that are at a given distance from a given point. Just like I told you, like a compass. The center, equivalently, it is the curve traced out by a point that moves in a plane so that its distance from a given point is constant, like a compass. The distance between any of the points in the center is called the radius. The article is about circles in Elucidian geometry, and in particular, the Elucidian plane, except where otherwise noted. This is from Wikipedia. What's clear is a circle is a circle. It's not a globe. It's not a ball. It's not a sphere. It's not a round rock. It's a circle. 
God sits on the circle and he looks down. Yeah. And he did this, he did this before the portals were even in place for the wind, the snow, the hail. Yeah. That's why when you read about the Noetic flood, that the floodgates of heaven were opened, as well as the streams underneath, the rivers underneath the earth. But the floodgates, the, the, the portals of heaven were open. There's water above us. Let's see, let's go to verse two. It says, and before the rumblings of thunder sounded, it's kind of obvious, before thunder sounded, he created thunder. And before the flashes of lightning shone, created lightning and thunder. They're all in the portals. And before the foundations of paradise were laid. So here's another good word to kind of dissect, foundations. And where can that be found in the Bible? So when you're talking about foundations, you're talking about really a non-globe earth. You're, you're talking like my, uh, you know, my, my friend Matt Jacks coined the term enclosed creationist rather than flat earth because flat earth just like, oh, really? You know, you can hear Obama. Yeah, you should belong to a flat earth society, right? You're an enclosed creationist. God created an enclosed environment in the firmament. So let's get on to the foundations, okay? Before the rumblings of thunder sounded and before the flashes of lightning shone and before the foundations of paradise were laid, so where can foundations be found in the scriptures um, that, that would be in context with this? we got 2 Samuel 22, 8. says, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. Because God was angry. So the earth shook and trembled. But why would the earth shake and tremble? Because the foundations of heaven themselves were, were moved. And we read in Ezra where he takes the, the heavens above the earth and he stretches out like a curtain, like a dome, like a tent. So their own foundations, that itself shakes like a snow globe. Everything moves, right? Second Samuel twenty two sixteen says, and the channels of the sea appeared. Channels of the sea. The foundations of the world, the earth, were discovered at the rebuking of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. So he's angry here in 2 Samuel 22. And you see the channels of the sea appearing and the foundations of the world are revealed uh, at his anger. So you see some bad, bad things happening at his anger. But what we have to know is that there are foundations. And of course, this is foundations of paradise and how, the, how he originally created this enclosed creation as paradise before the fall of man being led astray by the lying serpent, reptilian creature. And we'll go on, it says, and before the beautiful flowers were seen and before the powers of movement were established, I would imagine the powers of movement are referring to the sun, moon, and stars. I would imagine the, the movement of, of time, establishing those things. And before the innumerable hosts of angels were gathered together. So before all of this, God had laid out the plans. Okay, he had planned all these things. Nothing was made by another, only through him. So before these innumerable hosts, angel armies were gathered together. And let's look the scripture there. It reminded me of Revelation. 
We go to Revelation 5.11, and it says, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So here in Revelation, you have innumerable, innumerable angels gathered together. You have that around the throne. And you have that in Ezra saying, before they were even gathered together, (laughs) I created all these things. The beauty about all this cosmology and the ancient Jewish way of viewing these things is that it, it assists you in seeing the sovereignty and the majesty of our creator, God, of, of, of why we serve him, why we say you are the one and only God. There's, there is no other beside you. There is no other. And that your eyes get opened to the lesser gods, the fallen angels, the lesser Elohim. Your eyes get open to that and you realize there's only one true creator God. And this assists you in that. It's, it assists you in understanding, uh, in lack of a better term, your religion, your, your true religion, the religion of the heart. Let me continue. In verse 4, it says, And before the heights of the air were lifted up. Come on. We're talking about an enclosed dome. We're, 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 we're talking about an enclosed creation. And it says the heights of the air were lifted up. It, they were lifted up. There's several firmaments. You know, you hear the Bible, you know, the second heaven and the third heaven and the, you know, seventh heaven. You know, I, you know all of that. There's... There's levels of heaven. We know that Satan and his angels, the prince and principalities of the air, you know, when you say the second heaven, the the visible, you know, space that we can see, uh, that, that that's where they're at. So here in Ezra, it says, and before the heights of the air were lifted up, and before the measures of the firmaments were named. So they're named. There's measures in these firmaments, in, in what we would call space, in our sky, in our heavens. And before the footstool of Zion was established, Zion is both a physical place, was Judea in the ancient Jewish cosmology, but Zion was also the spiritual place of God, Zion. The footstool of Zion was established. In Isaiah 66, 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye built unto me, and where is the place of my rest? The earth is... In Isaiah 66, 1, the earth is God's footstool. Here in Ezra, the footstool of Zion before it was even established. Verse 5 says, Before the present years were reckoned and before the imaginations of those who now sin were estranged. Okay, so before the present years were reckoned, before the time of Ezra, before that even came into being, which, you know, we're, we're guesstimating, you know, that's, um, you know, what I said about 2,400 years ago, uh, you know, just as a guesstimate. And before the imagination of those people at that time who, who were sinning were estranged from God, and before those who stored up treasures of faith were sealed. And what is, that reminds me so much of Jesus's teaching where he says, you know, don't store up treasures here on earth where rust and moths and thieves can destroy and steal it, all your tre- but store, rather store up treasures in heaven where there is no thievery, there is no rust, there's no moths, there's nothing that can destroy your treasures. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be, Jesus says. 
So he's saying, store up your treasures in heaven. Well, here in Ezra, before Jesus said that, 400 years before Jesus says this, Ezra says, before those who stored up treasures of faith were sealed. See, they have the seal of God. And we can go there too and, and look in Ezekiel and in the book of Revelation, talk about those that are sealed of God. So if you store up treasures in heaven, treasures of faith, you're sealed. So it's, a, it's a really, it's a gospel message in all of this. And in verse six, it continues, and this is this God speaking through Uriel, the angel to Ezra, and says, then I planned these things. Before all of this stuff happened, then I planned these things. And they were made through me and not through another. So there is no big bang. There is no big bang theory. Um, yeah. There's no lizard people that came out of the ocean and just evolved, you know, from monkeys and there's no black hole. All that stuff, um, God made it. God made it. Let's look at Job 38 in regard to that. Because it's in context. Job 38 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where were where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? There we go again. Here's the foundations of the earth before we read about the foundations of heaven being shaken. Here's the foundations of the earth. If it's a round spinning ball, there is no foundation. God tells Job, declare if thou hast understanding who has laid the measure thereof, if you know, or who has stretched the line upon it. Do you know that? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Check that out. Where upon, where are the foundations fastened? Where are they fastened? You can't, you can't answer that. God laid down the foundation of this enclosed creation. He says, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? There's a cornerstone. There's, a, there's a four corners. There's the four winds. We talked about this last time. And he says, when the morning stars sang together, who are the morning stars? The innumerable angels gathered together. Job, he calls them, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Where were you, Job? In Ezra, we read, we read before the innumerable hosts of angels were gathered together. God planned all this stuff out. You see how this goes side and side? It's scriptural, it's biblical. And then, in Job, or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb when I made the cloud, the garment thereof and thick darkness swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors. See, he, he sets the waters. You can only come so far and said, hitherto shall thou come, but no further and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days? In other words, did you make time? Did you make the sun? And cause the day spring to know his place? How about the, the did you, you, you know how when the sun, you, you take the sun and make it come out of his portal? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? Mm. It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked, their light is withholden and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea or hast thou walked in, the, in search the depth? Have the gates of death been opened to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you perceived the, the breath of the earth? You know how, how, how large it is. Declare if you know. Well, the people today think they know. They, they, they measured it somehow, and, you know, the earth is so big of a, of a ball, the sun is so big, it's, you know. But God says, you don't know that. Man can't know that. Where is the way where light dwelleth? Well, oh, it's the sun, it's the sun. 
God says, no, where is the way? And as for darkness, where's the place thereof? That thou should take it to the bound thereof and thou shouldest know the path to the house thereof. Do you know? Do you know it because uh, when it was born or because the number of the days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasure of the snow? Now here we're talking about the portals again. The, those, those portals of snow and ice and hail. It's right here in Job. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow where the snows are at? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? These are the portals. At the beginning of the circle of the earth before the portals of the world were in place and before the assembled winds blew. It's right in Israel. So right here in Job. He says, have thou seen the treasures of the hail which I have reserved against the time of trouble? against the day of battle and war? By what way is the light departed? Where does the light go? Which scattereth the east, and, uh, east wind upon the uh, earth? Who hath divided the water course for the overflowing of waters or away for the lightning of thunder? There's your lightning and thunder again. Ezra says, and before the rumblings of thunder sounded, before the flashes of lightning shone. Yeah. To cause it to rain on the earth where no man is or the wilderness where there is no man to satisfy the desolate and waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth hath the rain of father or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? Who made it? God did. The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen can you bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? He's talking about the constellation, Pleiades. Or loose the bands of Orion. Can thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? It's the constellations. Can you control the stars? Or canest thou guide Octurus with his sons? No, you can't. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? Can you lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover you? Can you send lightning that they may go and say unto thee, here we are. Who put wisdom in the inward parts or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can say, who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust grows into hardness and the clods cleave fast together, will you hunt the prey for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lion? When they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to wait, to lie in wait? Who provides the food for the raven when his young ones cry unto God? They wander for lack of meat. Hey, well, God, is, God just took Job to school and said, you know, you speak at a turn. You can't talk to me. We're not on the same, not on the same plane here. Did you do any of this stuff? But the point I want to make here is that it goes right with, with fourth Ezra. Goes right with it. So they were made through God and not through another. Just as the end shall come through me and not through another. Psalms 104 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty who covereth thyself with light as with a garment who stretched out the heavens like a curtain. Well, there it is again, folks. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the water, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. See all those fireballs in the sky? Who laid the foundations of the earth. There you have it. There it is again. It's in our Bible. Foundations of the earth. Whether you believe it or not, that is the cosmology the ancient Jews believed because it's the right one. Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? Thou coveredest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains, at thy rebuke they fled. 
At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. They go up to the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. That was set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. We're not going to flood again. He sends the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man. God does all this, not man, God does. Not fallen angels, God does. That he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted where the birds make their nest as the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge to the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows his going down. Well, not according to modern day cosmology, the earth revolves around the sun in a spinning ball. The sun doesn't go down anywhere. The earth does, goes around. But here, God says the sun knows his going down. Because the sun is the one that moves. Thou makest darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun rises, they gather themselves together, they lay uh, down in their dens. Man goes forth unto work and his labor until the evening. <clears throat> o Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches, so is the great and wide sea, wherein all things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. That's that sea monster, big dragon. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou givest them thy gather. You open thy hand and they're filled with good. You hide your face and they're troubled. You take away their breath. They die and return to the dust. You send forth thy spirit. They are created. There's a lot here, folks. And thou renewest the face of the earth. See, they send forth the spirit. There's new people born. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembleth. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. You see the difference with the psalmist because he realizes the cosmology of God, the praise he gives to the supreme God. There's a difference. He says, I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Get rid of them. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. There's a big difference in how you view the sovereignty of God when you see this stuff. Okay, verse seven. And I answered and said, what will be the dividing of the times or when will be the end of the first age? and the beginning of the age that follows. And in verse eight, he said to me, from Abraham to Isaac, because from him were born Jacob and Esau, for Jacob's hand held Esau's heel from the beginning. And I'm gonna stop there before verse seven. I'll go back next week and we'll continue from there because that's a natural break in the cosmology. And now he's gonna talk about um, the, the end and how far we, we are. All right, so I hope you enjoyed the study, and you guys have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Good night. I yelled and I screamed. Nearly spoke things obscene. All just to get your attention. 
just to get you. Yeah.